Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hi, hi, hi. I'm so happy you're here today listening to the Finding Harmony podcast. I am Harmony, and today we have a beautiful human being who we are sharing a wonderful conversation about yoga, advanced asanas, art, cooking, ballet. Um, It's a very uh, eclectic podcast episode uh, where we find the yoga or the union between all these different things and also talk to Asta Kaplan about her personal journey and experience with the practice. Um, It is summer solstice coming up June 21st. It's the first day of summer also International Yoga Day, and it also happens to be my birthday, and Asta's birthday is also right around the same time. We're both summer solstice babies, and so this is a nice episode to celebrate our uh, birthdays together this week. One more thing that I wanted to connect with you on is that if you haven't made a donation for Yoga Gives Back this month yet, I would really encourage you to do so. It's been our month of celebrating yoga, June 21st being International Yoga Day, and all month Yoga Gives Back is raising funds for a very specific project to help women and children in India, creating a common room and uh, investing in some computers for them to use to access this technology, which can help them also access resources online, help the children with their studies, help the women who now have businesses access government funding. Um, Most of the women in this area don't have access to personal computers, something that we all uh, enjoy the benefits of and take for granted every day now. So um, it's a really important campaign, a really wonderful uh, initiative that Yoga Gives Back has set out for this month and for this particular fundraising event. And I hope that you'll join us in giving back to Mother India. One last thing, I am in Spain teaching yoga this week, so um, I hope that I've seen you, and if not, uh, maybe you want to join me next week, June 23rd to the 29th on my annual turkey retreat. We're back, we're in person, Um, so if you're thinking of running away for a little yoga vacation, We still may have one or two spots left, so be sure to drop me a message or send me an email and I'll see if I can squeeze you in to join us in Turkey, uh, the southern part of Turkey in a beautiful little town, Alakati, or Alachati. Uh, and it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. It's so much fun. We go to the beaches. We walk around this village and eat ice cream or sorbet and enjoy Turkish food and practice yoga and dive into philosophy. So um, if you're still thinking about it, we may have a spot for you. Be sure to hit me up. And so without further ado, Here is a beautiful conversation with the ever-lovely Asta Kaplan. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Harmony. 
And as you can hear, my voice is a little bit crazy today, a little funny. I'm here with Russell Case. You're really not well, are you? <laughs> I was not well the last time we recorded. Yeah, and, we switched spots. And now you're not well. That's a shame. <laughs> but we're joined today by a very beautiful and stunning practitioner, Asta Kaplan. How are you, Asta? I'm good. I hope you will feel better soon. <laughs> yeah, I will be. No worries. Yeah, it's just an honor that you asked me to talk with you. I mean, oh. it's been a pleasure to listen to your podcast and you guys, you're awesome. <laughs> oh, fantastic. You know, normally when I hear a name like Asta Kaplan, I think, oh, she must be a member of the tribe. But Harmony <laughs> tells me that you're from Finland, which I can't yeah. imagine that you, you have a, a, a large Jewish community in Finland. <laughs> No, we don't, no, <laughs> really. It's, it's no. absolutely my new as well. Uh, mm. Yeah, Kaplan is not my name. It comes from the other Kaplan, Dan. Yeah, Dan Kaplan? Dan from Japan? <laughs> we always say Dan. Yeah, Dan from Japan. Oh, good old <laughs> Dan really from, from Japan. America. <laughs> Did he give you his name? Well, I kind of, I, I took it. Oh, <laughs> you like, took it? Oh, oh, that's... I, I took his name when we oh. got married, and, and just like I snatched him away from Japan. You know, this yes, is a, a, big, <laughs> a big secret, but actually Harmony also took my name and I don't, I no longer have a name, which is unfortunate. <laughs> and she also lured me to Canada, which uh, oh. I've learned is like a paradise. <laughs> compared it's, to America. Compared to America, it's a paradise. No one shoots each other up here. I'm sure Germany is a paradise compared to America. Too. Oh yeah, probably. <laughs> Yeah, Berlin. Well, Berlin. I've I I had the most amazing experience in Berlin. It's I'm so Berlin's fond good. of it. Oh, what a wonderful city! Are you you're yeah, in? Ber are you in Berlin or Munich? No, we're we're in Munich now. We yeah. actually we kind of touched down to Germany in Berlin in 2014 when Dan oh. got fed up with the Finnish climate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, was, did he get fed up with Finland, or was it the climate? It was mostly the climate, really, um, and I can certainly sympathize. Um, <laughs> the cold and the dark? Yeah, particularly the dark. That yeah. really got to him. Yeah, the dark's hard. I mean, what, yeah, dark is hard. What kind of, now what kind of, um, is he Ashkenazi? Do you know what sort of tribe he's he, coming from? Is he actually, Israeli? Actually, I don't really know. Actually, I don't really know. Well, I mean, I know that the kind of Jewish side, that comes from Lithuania. Oh, the a eastern long time side. Ago. Yeah, yeah, okay. Eastern side, and that comes yeah. from his father's side of the family right. that, that immigrated to U.S. a long time ago. Mm -hmm. yeah, so because... it's such a long, kind of long history that I he has very little uh, kind of connection to the Jewish culture anymore. Okay. In the sense that he went to Catholic school when he was growing up, so it's like, uh, yeah. okay, that's pretty far removed. Right. But the name remains, and now it seems that I have a name that nobody else on the planet has. No. no <laughs> my first true. name and my my last name combined. Yeah. I'm yeah. easy to stalk. Easy You're, to find. You, it does sound like a Jewess. It's a nice and name, though. It's, it's easy to remember. Asta Kaplan. Yeah, I think <laughs> yes. I'm right. The Jewish American princess, Long Island, yeah, fathers of, in the mercantile <laughs> industry but really she's a finnish fairy princess finnish fairy princess that's amazing from the forest yeah, yeah. 
don't know. I was just going to say, because yeah. I, I also have these these Swedish roots that I it's so dark and cold and oppressive in Canada that I feel all snuggled in. All at home. It's just like all such a lovely yeah. experience for me. And I just wish it was darker for longer. No. Because I want to. Oh, nobody no. wishes that. I do. I kind of no. just want to be in the darkness. Yeah. No, I'm a midsummer baby. So no. Oh, midsummer. Me too. No, What's your birthday? Yeah. Mm. 20th of June. Oh, I'm the 21st. She's the 21st yes, of June. We're almost matching. You are yeah, matching, we're matching. Twinsies. Twinsies. <laughs> my goodness. And your background considered. I was just thinking that. Ballerina. Sister or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think we're long lost sisters. Now, we both grew up being ballerinas. When were you? In the midsummer's night. When were you born, yes. Asta? When? Uh, what year? <laughs> we're getting into a- it now. A- 82. Oh, yeah. Maybe. My brother's age. Yeah, that's your brother's age. I'm a little, age, little right. bit older. So not probably <laughs> not lost at birth then. No. No. All right. So 1982, can you set this up for us? 1982, uh, you're, in, you're being born into, into Finland, which makes you a citizen, I imagine. And yes. then, And then your parents, what are they like? Are they just very surprised to see you? Well, uh, my father probably was. He didn't really talk to me before I started talking. Oh, <laughs> he does, quiet he's Finnish. an amazing man. Yeah, he quite Finnish. Uh, he's an amazing man, but doesn't quite do humans. He does art history. <laughs> he, I no, read I'm that, the, that he was, obs- he was an obsessive art historian, like a good painter should be. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he definitely is. Uh, he's big time. Uh, they're both artists. So they basically, I don't know, I mean, they always treated me like a small adult, so I didn't quite understand. <laughs> well, there are disadvantages to that. <laughs> yeah, do you... Are you an only child? Yes, I'm only child, and I grew up treated like an adult, so I had really hard time with children. <laughs> yeah, children only, must be foreign for you. Only children yeah. often do. I know my son is the same, like he's, he gets treated much older like, than he actually happened? is. Yeah, so I mean, uh, but I mean, uh, I was born in Tampere, which is uh, basically second, Tampere. second, Tampere, yeah, second biggest city in the middle of the fat part of Finland. I know there's <laughs> only like that's the second biggest city. There's only like fifteen yeah. people there. Do you know? <laughs> do you know my friend uh, Tanya Leitinen? Tanya Leitinen. Leitinen. I Tanya think I know Leitner. of her, but I don't think She's I've ever met her. She, is a, she was a friend of mine. We were both with Petri Raisinen in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, good, she good was, um, she probably wouldn't want me saying this, but she was going back and forth from Tampere to New York. And she would um, pole dance <laughs> in New York, <laughs> raise yeah. money, cash illegally, and then go back to Finland back and forth like that wow. when her tourist visa was up. And and so you know, surprising. I would I would think that all you all of you Finn Ashtangis would know each other, but actually like sixty percent of Finnish people practice Ashtanga yoga. Just about. I mean it's a it's absolutely insane number. Helsinki has more authorized teachers than they don't know what to do with. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's a real thing I, that it's the largest per capita practitioners yeah. of Ashtanga in the world. Yeah. It really is. Well, what okay. else do you do? It's cold, cold and dark most of the year. So, I mean, okay, yeah. you might just as well go and do Ashtanga. We don't really find right. it as hot. 
Do you think that's why? Is it just because like you kind of need an indoor thing to do and it's dark all the time, so you might as well just get up early and like go do something? Well, that that is part of it, I think. I've thought about this a lot because, I mean, one thing that gets you through the, the really dark time is that you have some really steady routine that sets right. your kind of body up in the morning because yeah. otherwise you're just basically hibernating. Right. Yeah. So it, it is. And the other thing is that we're pretty stubborn people in a sense. I mean, yeah, if you set up as a at the say, yeah, okay, you do this. It's like, well, okay, we do this. Whether it's kind of uncomfortable, we don't really mind that much. <laughs> so I, it, it kind of fits the temperament of the people, I suppose. And, yeah. But it, it also like it. helps you. It also helps you kind of in practical means to get through the winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. And do you, you must heat the rooms like quite a bit. Yeah, well, I mean, I was never cold in Ashala when I was in when I was in in, in Finland. Never yeah. ever. It's always warm indoors, triple yeah. or double glazed windows and good heating. Yeah, same like Canada. We really like yeah. we would you know put the heat up to I don't know like thirty six degrees or something Celsius, and yeah. inside the shala. <laughs> It's all yeah. It's always warm. <laughs> so it's like a little mini <laughs> tropical environment. Yeah, well, pretty much, yeah. And I mean, I I still, if I practice home, for example, I, I still do the same thing. Full yeah. blast of heating. <laughs> I know, I know, I love it. <laughs> yeah, so it's. Um, your parents and they must have introduced you to Ashtanga yoga in Tampere. <laughs> uh, no, no, <laughs> no, they didn't. Oh, that, no. that was. That was in a way later. I mean, of course, I mean, I got, I got my first paints as an artist like when I was two and a half. So, I mean, I basically grew up just doing artsy stuff. Mm. Anything between sculpture and etching, whatever. Uh-huh. And how, I, did they, I, how did they introduce it to you? Because I, I think my I son... I wanted to do it. <laughs> you just wanted to do it. You probably just I, saw I just them did. doing it, right? And then yeah. it's just natural. If your yeah. parents are doing something, you do want to do it too. Yeah. So then you just start. Yeah, that's why. I mean, I, I never thought art as a profession. It's just something you do. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, which is kind of funny. The, the dancing part, that was something that I kind of came up with on my own in a sense yeah. that, I mean, I was, I saw my first ballet performance when I was three and a half. And I said, okay, that's what I want to do. Oh, I think you were fabulous at it. Well, decently good, let's say. I, I was better so. performer than technical dancer, but I mean, that was my heart and soul. And I can see that. Yeah. yeah so, but I mean, previous life. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It feels like a whole different person, actually. Yeah, it's like, okay, that's that was... What yeah. is now is now. <laughs> yeah. Were you a, a dancer or a technical performer, sweetie? <laughs> um, I, I think I was. I think I was less technically gifted than other dancers. What does that mean? Same as me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um... Is that because of your turnout? Yeah, yeah, like other dancers just had better technique. Like they had they had better points and better turnout and nicer lines. <laughs> My hindrance is that I'm practically half blind, so my oh, no. my par- yeah. I mean, I, I had a cataract in one eye when I was born, so wow. so I'm actually rather lucky that I'm not blind. That's amazing. But that, but that means that I had to work like a maniac to do any turns because spotting. Oh is yeah. Eye that's not even that's not terribly great. Is yeah, hard. yeah, yeah. So that's very I, disorienting. Uh, 
Yeah, so I did huge amount of lonely work alone in the studio, extra on top of all the other training yeah. to kind of get to my 36 poetes when I was graduated. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's because I decided, okay, that's it. If that's what I need to do, this is what I will do. Yeah. <laughs> so. I think that, I don't know if you, if this resonates with you, but I always feel like the, the personality of the of like your traditional kind of like ballet dancer that like super like perfectionist high achiever like triple a type personality like gonna work so hard to like you know just get the right but I feel like that really translates into the type of person that's attracted to ashtanga yoga also absolutely Mm -hmm. uh I don't even care to admit how many of my former ballet colleagues are practicing ashtanga as a therapy right as, as a, a therapy. therapy yeah but actually as yes. a way to pursue their obsessive compulsive disorder well yes and no oh, it's yes no yeah, yeah it's interesting like what do you think the difference is for you like how did you find the practice kind of healing after dancing yeah and funny thing is that i mean this is basically how i landed practicing ashtanga partly because yeah that's basically yoga in finland it's ashtanga that was just kind of obvious but i started practicing when i was 16 so I started really early because my uh, one of my ballet teachers was an absolutely amazing person, like just radiating, like just incredible person. When she steps into the room, you can't watch anyone else. But oh, but also that she, sense she, of cruelty that you need. No, she, <laughs> she's a nice one. <laughs> she actually was. She uh, and is she's still alive, but uh, she was pretty old at the time. But she was this this person who basically made all her students blossom the best what they were they're basically a teacher with capital t in that sense like you can achieve greatness even in classical ballet without beating people up and torturing them their souls so what she did with me she was she was coaching me for ballet competitions yeah the dancing is fine that's that's okay but three things you need to learn you need to learn to breathe you need to find your grounding and you need to find your own space in your head and your heart. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, that says a lot about her as a teacher. Find your breathing, find the grounding, and align your head and heart. Yeah, basically find your own self in your your mind and in your heart. Wow. And here I am, 24 years later, I'm still practicing. Yeah. uh, (laughs) And okay, as a coaching, that worked. I won the competition. Yeah, amazing. (laughs) But but as a bigger gift, she really kind of like, she really set me up and to the point where I had my dancing went out of the window and I'm basically just, I don't know, just completely broken as a person. Yeah. The yoga practice was there and that basically, that was kind of my backdoor back into me and into the practice. Yeah. So in that sense, Ashtanga has always, this sounds really weird with all the talk about obsessiveness and Ashtanga being hard and (laughs) To me, it's always been like basically the most natural and healing space for myself. So for me, it's genuinely a happy place. Yeah, that's beautiful. Oh. No, no. For yeah. me, it was just the place where I encountered uh, my true <laughs> self, which was a uh, the most frightened little child. So it was always so cool. terrifying for me, <laughs> just to even to the moment I woke up to 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 understand that I was going to have to do an Ashtanga yoga practice was 
absolutely terrified. But there must have been a time that you were excited to do it because you wouldn't have kept doing it for so long. No, you'd think that, wouldn't you? Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. the two of you would think, why would you do that? Yeah. No, no, no. I, oh, I, uh, I can think of maybe, um, <laughs> no, I can't really think, maybe like three or four times where I looked forward to doing it in the 30 years that I did Ashtanga Yoga. I remember oh. when I started, I would practice like, at 9 a.m. And that was like, that's actually still my <laughs> ideal time to practice yoga. Because I'm just like, no, I start after 10. So yeah, I would get up at like a sensible time. I'd like do some things. And then I'd go to my yoga class on my way to university. And my classes would start like afternoon. And so it was such a like, nice little routine (laughs) and then I would be up quite late because I was in university at the time studying but but I remember that feeling of like it really like having such a good day after that like it really changed sort of how I felt in my body and in my mind it's always good to be done with it no, it was refreshing. <laughs> to have it in the rear view mirror. And, and then like, like sometimes oh, I'd stop 20... and get like a smoothie or something. <laughs> yeah, I like eating. I don't have a problem with food. No, But uh, the the notion of, no, no. no the, what did you say? In the, you said to do some stuff and then do a yoga practice. By the stuff, you mean like a little stretches and stuff. No, not at that time. At that time, when I first started, I wasn't like obsessed with asana or like getting anywhere with it. I was just practicing because it felt good and was something to like, kind of like you say, like connect the mind and the heart. And so when I would do stuff, I'd like putter around the house. I'd like, I'd like do stuff to prepare for my school or like, you know. I thought you meant like work work on your piriformis. No, nothing like that. I just walk in cold. I, you know, the little, the little like pre-practice routine. Yeah. That's what I do now. Yeah. I don't do a shtanga yoga. Do the pre-practice I do routine. the pre-practice routine. I like that a lot. I really like that. It's not a shtanga yoga. It's like, but I love that. I'll like do that for hours. I'll do that for hours. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Asta? Mm-hmm. Did you did you end up developing like a whole pre-practice routine, or were you like one of the people that could just go in cold and like do it? Uh, well, I've I've never been able to do anything like totally cold, but I mean I. I've tried to basically kind of detach from like developing like really like basically being stuck with the routine that I must do anything. The thing is, I don't have to do anything. If 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 it if I feel like something is stuck, okay, I might do something at home before I hop on my bicycle and go to a shala Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm not really that attached to it. And if I need to warm up more, I do more shavings first. I I try to keep it simple. Yeah. That's pretty boring, really. <laughs> yeah, but your practice is like from another planet, my dear. <laughs> oh. I'm just really curious. I mean, I just kind of, I suppose I'm missing some filter or something. I just never believe that something is impossible. That's <laughs> like, beautiful. I the, My theory about this is this is something that was meant to be done by humans. Yeah. No. We probably weren't completely perfect. <laughs> I'm a human. I'll at least give it a try. If I fail, I try again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you have like, I mean, of course, there's some innate like genetic predisposition. And also like you trained your body from a young age. For a to, long yeah. time. I yeah. was just thinking about that when I was kind of 
answering some of the kind of how did you end up here first? Yeah. Well, the thing is that I started training first. I started with Lindley gymnastics when I was six. Yeah. So I did my first dropbacks when I was six. I yeah. don't remember how you learn them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's just something I never stopped doing stuff. Yeah. And that's why I suppose I assume that well, if I just try this long enough, maybe it will work. Yeah. The, and there's Nothing there's twenty sort of, years. I don't care. Yeah. There's like an innate sort of. Um, I think belief in your ability to do something when you've trained your body for so long in different ways. Then, yeah, and at the same, yeah, yeah. At the same time, I, I'm comfort loving enough nowadays that I never do anything if it's painful. Yeah, that's good. And I say that, I mean, with the full respect to like, okay, well, if it's intense, that's fine. But if it's painful, no, stop. Yeah. I've got traffic lights for that in the sense that, I mean, never have respect for my body. I have just one of it. So, yeah. yeah. Were you always like that? Or is that something that's grown? Um, I think I've gotten better at it. Uh, that's the one thing in the dance world. I, I have been on stage with local anesthetics of my pop, so that's not yeah. something to do. No. <laughs> I've been yeah. on stage with fever. I've oh. done all the stupid things, but I mean, uh, since. It's not a perform yoga is not a performing art. I don't have to do it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so since I'm practicing for myself and it's not a performance, if I'm in pain, if I am not well, I'm not gonna do it. Yeah, I love mm. that. I think that's such a like reasonable approach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well I try to be saying partly because I mean I kind of have to the the reason why I'm not dancing anymore, that's painful enough that uh, yeah. If I overdo anything beyond what's kind of that's that's interesting. If I had um, stopped doing Ashtanga yoga when it was painful, <laughs> it, I would have stopped in 1992. Oh. <laughs> that's when I would have stopped. When you started, just about when I started. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but I have to say, it took a long time for me to distinguish between stretching and pain. That was yeah. That that's a skill. That's something that I certainly got from my training as a dancer because you kind of yeah. you do such a huge amount of stretching endlessly. Basically, I did all my mat's homework in high school. Yeah. So it's it like you learn to distinguish between what I said. Like, okay, there's intensity and there's pain. Those are two different things. Yeah. Yeah. That it's like. Yeah, and that's that is a skill actually, like yeah, being is. able to understand, like, oh, this is a stretching sensation, and it's a little intense, but it's bearable and it's not doing harm, and to have that yeah. confidence that it's okay versus yeah. like, ooh, that's not a good sensation. Yeah, that, <laughs> I need that's to... not a good thing. So, something is now seriously tearing. Not a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, or like pinching or crunching, or I mean, there's yeah, all kinds of things. Overall, it in order. <laughs> yeah, it was a mess of sensations. Certainly, it was like it was all of those things all happening. <laughs> like, what is this? Yeah. Why? Why am I doing this? You know, why, yeah, why? That's something that I sometimes kind of wish I had the experience of, like the memory of like how did he feel when I first started something because it's such a long time ago. I just simply like I said I dropped back at six years old. I have no idea. 
<laughs> just stop practicing for like a year, Aston. Start again. It'll you'll feel it all well, over again. <laughs> It'll all come well, back to, to you. To our, to our point, it certainly was exotic to kind of relearn dropbacks for example after an abdominal surgery. That was fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So, can you tell us a little bit about that? Was that like that was pre major surgery? Yeah, it was a fairly major surgery. This is some a kind of rare kind of problem where the uh, the intestines just kind of got loose where it should have been oh like a hernia a kind of internal hernia yeah it's, uh, wow. usually happens with women only so it's almost like okay men have hernias kind of in the groin area fairly often that's more common mm-hmm. i would think yeah uh women hardly ever have that but i mean then there's this small percentage of women who have the kind of internal situation where everything is just starts swimming not wow. great so uh it took a while before anyone kind of figured out what was going on because of course i mean digestion everything was kind of just uncomfortable let's say and all that really yeah. so uh that took Were a you while getting, like pain and stuff like not so much pain but it's really really irregular like digestion and just discomfort with eating and whatnot so that right. wasn't fun yeah how old were you uh, this was in 2006, so this is like a while ago. I was in my 20s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you'd stopped dancing by now? Yeah, I had stopped dancing like few years, like three years previously. I, I stopped dancing yeah. in 2003, and then basically three years later, like, okay, well, uh, something is going on with my tummy. <laughs> right. But there's a, there's a whole story with you stopping dancing and losing your health. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to learn about that, but let's constant. Let's talk about the surgery for just a <laughs> moment. I'm, I'm and then go back to that. Parts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because there's some some bad things have happened, and I want to make sure we touch on all of them. <laughs> Yeah, great. Yeah, well, I, guess, I mean, my joke about it really is that okay, I'm a collection of spare parts. I have a mesh in my tummy. Uh, well, well, that's what they did. They went in and yeah. like inserted the yeah, mesh. They, they they made five cuts in my tummy and put the mesh wow. in, and kind of it's still there. I can still feel that in Paripurna Machandrasana. Yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah. whenever I dig the heel in there and dig, do a deep yeah. twist, it's like, oh, that feels kind of yucky. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the only my- one where I feel it. My yeah. friend Noah also has that from from a hernia, and he said the same thing. He still feels it. He yes. feels it in Gandhabunandasana. He'll feel it there. I I don't feel it there. I just feel it when like if there's a heel kind of digging into the tummy and twisting, then it's like mm, ugh. But do you ever um, do you ever worry about it? Does you ever feel like uh, maybe that's not the right thing? <laughs> well, if it doesn't get any weirder than it is now, then I mean, if it does get stranger than it feels currently, then I worry. But I mean, for time being, it seems to be fine. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but I mean, uh, but as for from the practice point of view, I mean, it, the first year after the surgery, like, okay, well, this is interesting. First of all, the doctors say, "Oh yeah, three like three weeks, and you can do whatever you like." It's like, ah, uh, maybe not. <laughs> he didn't yeah. quite. Know, he didn't quite know what he was talking about. But so it it took a couple of years to really like get from the operating table back to where I kind of let's say air quotes started from. Right, and at that time, like, were you practicing advanced series? Mm, yeah, I was kind of somewhere. In halfway there. <laughs> somewhere there kind of <laughs> yeah <laughs> wow yeah, yeah yeah he was like oh just get back to your regular yeah, routine. Like, like, oh, maybe no. not <laughs> well yeah what what did i what did i do then because i was like 
that doesn't sound right. I'm barely walking. So I, I called up a physiotherapist who was also teaching our physiology classes in, in the ballet school and said, like, hey, who knew me from since I was 14, that, hey, um, what should I do? <laughs> you know me. I've just had like tummy op- cut open and I have a mesh here. Like, and I'm, the doctor gave me advice that isn't really terribly realistic. What should I do? <laughs> Yeah, just take it really slow. Just one month at a <laughs> yeah. time. See see how it works. In a year, you should be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then you just like built the practice up like posture by posture again? Pretty much, yeah. So I, I've started over a few times. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think it's kind of natural. You know, life happens and you have to like... Life, life happens. That, that was one thing. Then a few years later, I mean, I lifted the suitcase badly. I broke three discs in my back so like okay oh well my God. uh here we go again nine yeah. months of rebuilding <laughs> well, before we we rebuild your back i wonder <laughs> I, I think it's really fascinating you um your your parents are both painters and they sound one ceramist one uh, painter one ceramicist one painter and and they sound uh, like very kind of interesting bohemian and people idiosyncratic to a mm-hmm. degree, and they've—they're admiring their their beautiful young daughter, who's a ballerina and a little princess, and an artist, and an artist. <laughs> and at a certain point, you decided, I think, to stop ballet, and maybe we could f- figure out why. And then you're—you go—you decided to enter art school, and then your your body completely failed you. So I wonder if you could tell us that, set us up and tell us that whole story. That whole Why story. would you even stop ballet in the first place? Uh, well, that that is the thing. I mean, since I left basically my parents' home when I was 14 to pursue ballet, because that's wow. all I wanted to do since I was three and a half, yeah. there wasn't much holding me back. It's like, okay, well, that that crazy person just wants to do this. Of course, yeah. I mean, as with ballet, I mean, even if you really, really want it, you might not get there simply because you're just not somehow built for it. I was lucky yeah. enough to have insanely open hips to begin with. So that was kind of okay. And yeah. then I just worked really hard. Yeah. But so, I mean, it really was, I left home when I was 14. Uh, and um, basically my father, I, I saw his diary later that he was kind of sorry for it in the sense that he was worried that I would never do art again. Mm-hmm. Oh, but, interesting. <laughs> yeah. So because, I mean, he kind of was okay with, he knew as an artist that if I want to do ballet, I need to do it early. Right. But where he yeah. really kind of was hoping me to go was visual <laughs> arts. Yeah. Well, here I am yeah. now, but anyway, <laughs> So I left that and I mean, I basically, that's all I wanted to do at the time. And that was my life from 14 till 23. And you went and lived at the ballet school and took uh, classes well, there. Well, basically that in the, how it works with the Finnish National Ballet School, it's not an internship. So you basically, I basically took care of my own household when I was 14. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. So yeah, that's wow. basically living on my own, taking care of my regular school and ballet school. And that's wow. it. So basically 
So no teenage rebellion, so to say. No. That, <laughs> was, no that was it. No, no that was it. That. Like, okay, my, my yeah. rebellion was like, okay, guys, I leave home now. <laughs> like, okay. <Yeah>. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. But but anyway, but uh, the history of me quitting ballet, I was dancing actually in Germany at the time. Uh-huh. So this is my second time around in Ber- in, in Germany, which yeah. is kind of funny. <laughs> was that I rem- still remember that that was a warm-up class before a performance. Suddenly, I felt this kind of really eerie pain suddenly hitting my left leg, knee down, and my right calf. Yeah. I was like, okay, this is not right. This is something really, really weird. It was this, this burning pain that come, came from inside, almost like somebody was just tearing, like burning knives through the bones. Yeah. It's really, really weird. And that started spreading. Yeah. and no explanation I wasn't hurt right. it was like it's just pain that was just kind of climbing up my left side of the body and eventually it was from neck down the whole left side and right leg basically knee down so at least my right arm was working and my right leg was kind of okay to step on <laughs> wow so it's like that left shoulder left yeah, back basically down, uh, right that yeah, like fascia line yeah, basically everything. And wow. it was just so painful that uh, on the most days before, before, like, I mean, too long, I was just mostly just lying down on my back at home, crying, thinking that I really need to get on my feet at some point to get some food, but I just can't think of it. Yeah. Just wow. absolutely horrendous pain. And wow. uh, that basically, that went on for months. Like, I mean, that was, when it first started, that started in, I think it was in February or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, then summer came. I was still tired by the theater. I was on sick leave because I obviously, I just couldn't do anything really because it was just, everything was just super painful. Uh, I went to a, a physiotherapy center in Freiburg, which is in southern Germany, for five weeks. They would try to kind of figure out what's going on. I went to MRI and whatnot. It's like, this is just really bizarre. There's nothing physically wrong with you, but you're obviously in pain. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, yeah. Uh, am, am I going crazy? Because I mean, right. I, I know I know what pain is. I can, I'm usually pretty good at dealing with minor complaints, but this is just something else. Yeah. And come July, I mean, I just came to the, I, one, one doctor then basically said to me that, okay, legally, I can't, t- can't tell you to change professors, professions, like I can't tell you to quit your work, but this isn't looking good. We right. can't tell you what's wrong, but you're just like in such a situation, we just can't help you. I'm like, okay, that's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, uh, but by that time I had been in like just, burning pain for half a year with no ease really from anything i just didn't quite the only thing that helped was that i mean i was in ice cold bath basically just like lying ice water like okay well this helps a bit for for yeah good good so then i just basically i turned that uh, that was of course a bit of a shocker that somebody seriously looks at you in the eye and say that okay legally i can't tell you to do something else but i would say do something else right God. And this is something that I basically left my family over and just that's been my life. I grew up doing this. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, but I mean, eventually I just thought, that, okay, well, I mean, obviously I, I, I really can't, I'm not reliably able to perform. If I can't run, I can't jump. Currently I can't even walk better than someone who is in their nineties. 
Right. Um, maybe it's not such a bad idea not to rely on my livelihood on something that's so precarious. So, yeah, I just called home to my parents and said, listen, guys, I mean, I've decided that, okay, this is it. I'm coming yeah. home. Well, they basically, they rallied over like basically the, uh, just the, the rescue team. They came and picked, basically collected me and pieces of me from Germany back to Finland. Yeah. <laughs> pretty <Wow>. much. <laughs> uh, I folded you pra- up in a suitcase and brought you pretty, back. <laughs> practically, yes, because at that point I was like, I'm hurting. I can't do anything. Can you guys just pack up for me? So, I mean, they just wow. came over and just picked me up, which was... yeah. I was I was just incredibly grateful, and then they basically did the next next thing. The best thing they could think of is that they said that well, I mean, what else? What are you going to do? Like, well, it was pretty obvious choice. From dance, I went to arts. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's it. It was kind of a no brainer. Yeah, but the problem was that at that point, the transition, the first art school I went to, that happened within a couple of months from me saying that okay, I'm not going to dance. That was just let's say psychologically a bit too fast. Right. I just basically went from one to the other, no thinking in terms of no time to process that. that And there the end result was that I just basically went straight into just basically working around the clock on pictures and reading art and whatnot (laughs) and forgot that, oh, hey, I'm here. I need to eat. I need to stay alive. But at that point, mm-hmm. I didn't really care. I was in full, basically, just hatred relationship with the body that was just basically a mess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Were you still in pain or did the pain go yeah. away? Mm, that took a couple of years. And okay. it's still there, kind of mm. what I call my background radiation. I've been in pain for the last, basically, ever since 2004. Mm-hmm. Wow. But... Yeah. Uh, with the yoga practice and all that, that's kind of that's been the best medicine for it. It's the best thing I can do. So that's another reason for me to practice. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, I managed to get myself to hospital for three months for refeeding. Yeah. Refeeding. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, I was thirty-five kilos when I went to hospital. Oh my god! I mean, you're you're not, not that big a person I'm, anyway. I'm not that <laughs> big a person anyway, but nevertheless, that's. <coughs> Not a good, a good place to be in. No. How many so, pounds that's is like that? like 70 pounds. Oh, that's quite small. It's like a that's, small child. Yeah. 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 And I mean, okay, like I'm not that tall, year old. Still, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. that wasn't a good place to be in. So that's basically this, the, the time when basically, I mean, okay, I was, I'm sitting in hospital getting, getting bored out of my mind yeah. because I hated being there. But I, re, I, I basically seeked help because I, was like, I need to sort this out because, I mean, I'm just a mess. Did your so parents I, intervene or was it all from you? It was, was it something it was, inside it, of it, you? It was me. I just saw myself in a mirror one day. I just suddenly realized that, hey, uh, I'm actually killing myself slowly. This is not good. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love life too much to do that really consciously. That was this pure yeah. crisis reaction in that sense. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. Those were the exact words that I heard when I was like sort of at the height of my anorexia, bulimia and dancing. And it was like, you're killing yourself. If you continue, yeah. you will die. Yeah. yeah. Because I mean, was it's, like, it's oh, real. shit. So it's like, oh, <laughs> this needs to, I need to do something about this. So I basically, I yeah. went to, I, I contacted the, well, with the help of my mother then, I contacted the hospital and said that, okay, guys, I mean, no matter what, I'm going to camp in your hall away or something, but I need help. 
<laughs> well, that's no, so I mean, good. That's so courageous. Yeah, yeah, not the easiest thing to do, but that was no. basically because I realized that I was too far down to really get myself sorted because, of course, that yeah. that level of just malnutrition, I mean, it messes your brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and your nervous system. Nervous system, everything. You need really serious support to yeah. to kind of get out of there. It's yeah. a kind of manic period in, in response to maybe like a lack of, of direction. Yeah, I mean, just total, and I mean, also just really physical hatred to a body that it just felt like yeah. such a deep betrayal that I worked my skin off yeah. my back to do this, and now your body it's just, betrayed my you. body. Yeah, basically that was it. And so, so f- and so that's just a big, you know, middle, you know, two fingers up or a middle finger up to the body. I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to feed you. How do yeah. you like that? Very, yeah. yeah, very much. Yeah. Like, okay, well, I mean, if you're not going to work for me, I'm not going to work for you either. Basically. Right. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. too bad. I'm not interested. So, but, but I mean, then basically, I mean, what, uh, besides the hospital's help, thank you for them. But mm-hmm. the yoga practice was then basically the one that basically helped me make peace with it. Yeah. And because how were you discovering yoga at this point? Because it seemed like you have a lot going on in your life. I don't understand how you could have found space for a well, hobby. She, she had yoga already going on. Yeah, that, that, yeah there's that a was, lot to do, yeah. though. Yeah. <laughs> it was basically just, I mean, I felt like, okay, since my problem of maintaining myself alive is a problem of me loving my body as a being enough. I need to reconnect there. I need to make it one. Yeah. Not to think that, yeah. okay, I'm just a head that does something and then a body <laughs> yeah. that I'm just kicking away as far, as hard mm. as I can. I need yeah. to bring yeah. these two, two things together. So again, I need to get give, get my mind and my heart to reconnect. I love so that. Yeah. that basically I love that you bring this up. My, yeah. Just because it was... It was something that I had just talked about um, recently in a, a different podcast that I was interviewed for. And it was that like when, as a dancer, your body is your tool. And so it's really like an object. It's not yeah. something that you're like intimately taking care of. It's something that you're trying to manipulate in various ways to do certain things for you, to look a certain way. Right. Yeah. And so you really like are objectifying your body and you feel quite separate from it in many ways and i think that's why like eating disorders and you and know everything a lot else. of self-harm and all the things go well include like yeah like i said like yeah you go on stage with anesthetics on your foot it's like yeah. not my foot is mm-hmm. it, it's hurting like um that's not yeah. terribly healthy is it? <laughs> yeah and it's kind of like a lot of athletes have that same mentality i think like professional yeah. athletes you know their body is like a tool for them so yeah they're yeah. just gonna like put the cortisone in the injury and like get back out there right yeah it's very Um, similar with dancing but with yoga it was like the one kind of practice that really like connected me to my body as like a part of myself and and something that was like to be nurtured and like a temple (laughs) like you know it had all these beautiful kind of reconnections yeah, it was really basically, and it, it, it is still a daily practice for me of like just showing kindness and presence yeah. to myself that, hey, I'm I'm there as a whole. Yeah. And that that's one of the biggest reasons for me to practice. Uh, besides mm. the fact that it then earned, because I mean, at that point, I was just so much in pain that I just couldn't handle taking, for example, walks out of the question. My old love of just running in the woods, not possible. 
Right. Uh, what else is there? Well, hey, wait a second. Ashtanga yoga, you can do it on a piece of rubber. There, are, it's it's <laughs> something that is. It basically is contained. It's not yeah. too surprising. You can do it as softly or as hard as you feel okay with. Yeah. So uh, how about I try that? And besides, I mean, as it turns out, now there's been a lot of research on like how to deal with the fibromyalgia, which I then got diagnosed like two years later when my mother got her diagnosis. Wow. So it yeah. runs in family. So it's kind of something that I inherited from three generations back. And it typically kind of flares up after uh, in your twenties. So textbook ah, which, in that sense, you have no idea whether it actually kind of sneaks up around the corner and says, "Hey, I'm here." Yeah, that <laughs> could explain that pain, right? <laughs> yeah, that kind of explained the pain. But it turns out that yoga practice is one of the best things you can do because it stimulates the nervous system just enough, but not too much. There's no yeah. hard impact if if you choose not to have any. Yeah. It's a regular routine that basically if you live like a cuckoo clock, your body is pretty happy. <laughs> right. Oh, <I> <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah. <laughs> Works for a stung or two. Yeah. <laughs> if I could just ask a question, because yeah. I, I, it's it's a little, um, I'm not going to say triggering, it's too strong of a word, but it's certainly, um, for me, uh, your experience with with dance and objectifying the body resonates for me with the experience that I had with the Shtanga yoga, mm-hmm. which um, yoga practice had always kind of been in, internal and there was an emotional experience to it. And then there was um, a, a, a seeking, a kind of um, physiological experimentation with with Tantra, which is, you know, using the body to experience subtle sensations of, of, uh, that could be transcended until I, I get into the classroom with, you know, full of, of young ladies (laughs) and a teacher who is there to assess your ability. Mm -hmm. In, this is a stage you know, this is a this is a performative this is a performative space for a young man, say, and so the especially in Mysore where it seemed the stakes were so high, where money you could get money based on how many accolades you received from the teacher, which is to say postures and and authorizations and things. So that stage was a place where I I would go and I would take any measure possible to perform. If it, you know, muscle relaxants, mm-hmm. you know, um, ibuprofen, any sort of thing that I needed to do so that I could be ready to perform at four thirty in the morning, I get on the mat. I'm there, and people are watching, and everyone's watching. So, <laughs> and how no do you? <laughs> how? But everyone's watching is you know. So, because they make it very clear to you after class is like. Oh, you really do that well. Like, you know, Kino walks up to you. It's like, can you tell me, teach me how you do that pike in your vinyasa? So like, sure, I can teach you. You know, can you help me with Karndavasana? You know, she would say, you know, so like everyone's watching, right? So um, how do you, how did the two of you avoid that pitfall? If you were, because you were so vulnerable to that, that objectification of the body in dance, how were you? How did you avoid it in this theater of the absurd, the, the uh, Ashtanga Mysore? <laughs> mm. 
I suppose I'm just super naive. I've I've just never cared less if somebody's watching or not. <laughs> yeah, I it's, I think that's like a know. really good point. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I've never felt any sort of pressure or awareness of performativeness when I'm on my mat. I mean, I could hmm. do my practice in the middle of the street, whether there's five thousand people walking by, I don't care. If yeah. I, I don't know, and I suppose that kind of made made the four thirty group in my sort of relatively easy for me. I just can't roll out my mat and I just do my thing. If somebody notices, if a teacher is watching, it doesn't really change anything. I'm I'm probably my hardest critic anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I mean, Doom. yeah. And that's I suppose what I what what I I thought. I mean, okay, I had a little moment of eek. I can't possibly do that when I did my first ever lead intermediate class in my life. And that was yeah, on yeah. Hattabi Joyce's tour in Helsinki. Yeah. Petri, actually, he was like, Asta, come here and smack in the middle of the front row, right in, in the front of Gorgeous chair. You know what? I think right. I was next, just... Next to, next, next to Petri. I, like, I think yeah. I was just right. to your left, actually. Because I was in front row, right in front of Guruji. That's where my spot okay, on the Helsinki must tour. Have been, must have been. I think we were right. I th- I thought I'd recognized you. I think we were right next to each other. Must have been. That was my first ever lead intermediate in my life. Yeah. And we only went up to Nakrasana, if you remember. Yeah, I think that, that, that was because, I mean, the first day on that tour, I mean, that was a legendary time when Patapijur started stopping people in standing postures. Like, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> like, right. And I'm in the front row next to Petri and you, obviously, now I know. Because Petri uh, and I were, yeah. were next to each other, yeah. Yeah, and Petri was like, oh, come here. It's like, huh? But then I thought, yeah. okay, it doesn't really, to me, that doesn't really change anything. Because the fact is that the teacher probably sees way more about my practice anyway than I can ever think. Yeah. So I do what I do. If he wants to say something, he says something. If he doesn't like something, he will tell me that too. And no matter what I do, that doesn't change anything, really. I can yeah. just do my practice and just enjoy it, really. You know, Which is it's- what I've done most of the time. It's, yeah, hmm. it's interesting because I think, you know, people always think, oh, if you did dance or gymnastics, it makes yoga easier. And I mean, maybe mm. to a certain extent, your muscles have some like memory of stretching or something. True, yeah. yeah, something, but it's a completely different thing, really. Very different. But maybe in some ways it can make that like, because you're used to also like a teacher watching you do stuff yeah. all the time. <laughs> Painfully so, to the point that, Pain- okay, we... <laughs> We film the class once a week and then we pick it into death. Pick it apart, yeah. Pick it apart and like, look at your foot. It's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, right. You're not even so, trying. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I think like, like because you're used to that, it's yeah. not, you don't have self-consciousness about that so much. No. And also, like nobody could be as critical or as cruel as like the dance teacher, <laughs> the ballet That's mistress. True. Yeah, yeah. You were saying something about terrifying teachers. It's like, yes, I know how that is. Mm. Yeah. Like, yes, you're terrifying. You do anything so that you're kind of like. I don't care if you yeah. count the times I've cried in the class. Right, and then also like, yeah, how many times I drove home like bawling, sobbing, um, so terrible, um, yeah. and then 
But then also, like, for me, one of the things that was very comforting about yoga versus ballet is not having the mirror there. Because like you say, I mean, I'm my worst critic. Mm-hmm. nobody could be crueler to myself than myself no it's <laughs> so, really hard to do really <laughs> and if you don't have the mirror something happens where you go yeah. in and you feel it inside yeah. rather than looking for that external visual cue yeah, and that was what, transformative yeah. for me to me too and that's basically that was kind of like my experience why I felt at home with it right away because in some ways methodically speaking your classical training as a dancer is very similar you just proceed like progress one thing after another and you just repeat endlessly things (laughs) but it's almost like you still speak the same language of method of learning but you change the subject you turn the aspect around yeah from within like Mm -hmm. i mean your your reasons to do it are completely opposite yeah, and, and that, also the that, feeling is so different because yeah, you're having yeah. to go in to and, feel it. Yeah, and that basically, that felt deeply healing and it still does. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah, yeah. And I think that that ability to like turn the mind in and just feel things inside it also, like you're saying, kind of prevents you from like thinking about anyone or anything else. You're just like yeah. really absorbed in the moment to moment sensation of what's happening right now inside yourself. Yeah, and it's, yeah, and it's a really amazing feeling. It just opens something that I've somehow described the feeling on that is almost like your sensation of every moment is bigger from inside than outside. Yeah. Everything just kind of radiates through and it's an incredible space to be in. It's kind of the same feeling I get when I'm painting. It's like it's just that third space that's kind of it's happening and yet you don't have to make decisions. It's just kind of mm-hmm. transmitting. Yeah. That's um, really when painting is at its is at its, its best. Is, is most wonderful. Yes. Is when it's painting also is, awful. Yeah. But <laughs> when the painting awful. starts to make itself yeah. and you are just there watching the painting make itself is really yes. quite beautiful. It's the it, most it, beautiful. Yeah, it's and to me that's what I mean. I don't I can't really separate my work when I'm working in the studio as an artist and what's happening in my yoga practice. It's, to me it's kind of all the same. <laughs> Right. Amazing. I suppose that's yeah. kind of what I'm what I'm saying what I mean when I say that I'm pretty boring. I do everything the same way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're just like constantly, okay, it's time to connect to flow. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> here we go. Yeah. Doors open. I'm here. <clears throat> pretty yeah. much. It's the flow is a kind of uh emptiness, a kind of uh yeah. separation, like a kaivalya of just observing. Observing and there I'm just trying not to get too much in the way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally, exactly. right? I love that. Yeah. No we... body, no time, mm. no personality. That's that's what <laughs> it becomes really frustrating is when the material says I don't want to be anything. I don't want to yeah. do anything and uh, there is no <laughs> there will be no movement today. And it's yeah. like, oh god damn it. I did I did everything <laughs> the same. I did I I had the it's different. And whether it's painting or the body, the material is, says, no, not today, mate. And I'm like, yeah. oh, then it's, Okay, it. well, let's just be humble. It's it's okay. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Let, they're on, on the day. Because, of course, I mean, yeah, particularly, the, well, I mean, sometimes the painting, that too, the panic of the canvas sometimes strikes again. But also on the <laughs> mat, I mean, it's it's not always fun. There, I'm just kind of trying to 
comfort myself. That, okay, well, if nothing else, I'm making the next practice a bit more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. a good way to look at it. Yeah. If, if, if nothing else, I know that by practicing today, tomorrow will be easier. Yeah. yeah, I've thought that when I've had a when I'm having a really bad practice when I used to practice Ashtanga <laughs> yoga, I would have a really bad one. I thought, well, tomorrow will be better. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. There, basically, yeah. In, in in my books, I'm trying very much to think that there is no such thing as a bad practice. Practice is. Any practice is good practice. I'm quoting Davis mm. Wiseman. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Nancy Gilgoff would say the yeah. same thing as well. Like yeah. even if you even if you can only do forty percent, you're doing yeah. you're doing you're building for tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like I often think about that too. Sort of, you know, when even like a little bit of what you're doing is something that you normally or like if you didn't practice yoga or. If, you were just like your average everyday person would not do, right? Like even just inhaling, lifting your arms up and it's exhaling, up. folding forward. Like yeah, how many people do that do that, that don't practice not, yoga Not that day? many. Yeah. No, just, right? <laughs> to me, like, I mean, I, I keep saying that in the Charlotte, like, well, I mean, you already made it on the map. You're already winning, right? You made yeah. the hardest thing. You showed up. <laughs> yeah. So, so then what happened to you? You were, you were picking up a suitcase, and your body <laughs> fell apart. You just like collapsed it, on you. Yeah. What's... Well, uh, da- dangerous things happen when you're in deep snow with two heavy suitcases and trying to help your <laughs> husband to 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 recover from hernia operation. Oh, my oh it was Dan's fault. Yeah, that makes. <laughs> oh that yeah, let's blame him. No, yeah, that, that was just basically one of those things that, okay, life happens. Uh, I was at the time, I mean, I, I was basically, I had grad, I was basically um, in a residency for painting, I mean, preparing for an art show and whatnot. And uh, Dan got a hernia in, in India. So basically, we organized him to fly back to Helsinki. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he got operation, but then basically, he couldn't really like stay home alone and me just going in the middle of nowhere to this residency and him staying home right after operation. So I carried everything. I had an absolutely uh, massive backpack, <laughs> huge suitcase for two people because he can't, he's not allowed to lift anything heavier than a kilo. So it's like, okay, yeah. well, Asta is lifting everything. And this is in midwinter. And I'm oh trying to get out of an old style train that's not like opening yeah. directly to the platform, but there's like a big drop and there's like half a meter of snow. <laughs> so wow. uh, just basically really bad lifting. My back did, made a really horrible sound. And I was like, that didn't sound good. Oh, dear. Aww. Oh, dear, indeed. But I mean, I wasn't quite sure how bad that was. And okay, I get on my mat the next morning. I'm like, yeah, this kind of really hurts. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like ba- I, I'm bending forward. Okay, this hurts. Bending backwards. Oh, this hurts too. Ow! <laughs> and, everything oh, hurts. Everything hurts. Well, I go and see a physiotherapist, and he's like, "Okay, you're just a bit cramped up and all that. I mean, can you put, kind of bend forward to touch the floor with your fingers?" Like, yeah, no problem. Elbows on the floor. Like, yeah, I can still move, but it hurts. Yeah. Exactly. So it took quite a while before I could see see an uh, an orthopedist and they took an MRI and even the orthopedist was like well yeah bend forwards like yes I'm I can still bend forwards fine can you bend backwards yeah a little bit fine but I mean it all hurts all the time this is like eight weeks into the pain Mm. they took an MRI and they were like 
right, there's three discs that are not that happy. They're like bulging and doing all sorts of interesting things in there. Like, I'm still kind of, op- I can still move, but it hurts like hell. Excuse right. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, well, I wondered if it was all right to curse around you because you are Finnish. <laughs> Well, I've, I've, I use the a, worst sort of curses I've heard from the Finns, but I was—I get the feeling that the you're not comfortable curses. with I'm, it, so I've been I'm, avoiding. I'm kind of, I'm kind of funny curse. in that sense. I'm an odd thing. Yeah. I don't drink. I don't curse much, and I'm yeah. overall a bit strange. She's very that sadvic. Is, that is a bit funny for a. If Finn. you want to do four series, you have to be sadvic. <laughs> I don't know yeah, what I'm, you have to do. Or I'm boring. But, uh, no. <laughs> also another word for Satvik. <laughs> Possibly. No, I mean, Dan says often he doesn't dare to think what would happen if I were ever drunk. <laughs> You'd probably just fall asleep. <laughs> probably, yes. I sleep like a rock. I mean, you can stamp on me and I step on me and I don't wake up. But, but yeah, so anyway, so I mean, finally, I mean, I mean, okay, MRI, okay, three discs all over the place. Well, okay, well, a lot of physiotherapy, nine months of basically, first four months, I couldn't do really anything. I walked and I lied down because sitting down wasn't an option. Right, I know that feeling. Yeah, it's like, just no, I mean, I was sitting on a chair, like one leg sticking out, like, okay, yeah, I pretend that I'm sitting. Oh my gosh. Not great, no. but uh, just slowly, slowly. I had a really good physiotherapist who had herself been through like this problem. So she basically just said to me that, okay, now you know, do nothing more than I allow you to do. Okay. You just stick to what I tell you, be patient, allow it enough time, and then just basically yeah. sort out your technique with everything. Yeah. Well, the end result was, that, okay, it took nine months and a lot, then basically rebuilding the whole practice again, second second yeah. or third time, yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, but uh, end result is that, I mean, my back has never been happier. That's great. Oh, what did she get you to do? Did you, she get you doing like some shalabhasanas? Yeah, basically it's just a lot of stabilizing exercises, uh, just basically, and a lot of attention to what I do with my sores, a lot of attention yeah. to my hip flexors. And just overall stabilizing and just making sure that whatever I do with backbending and such is that it's really, really well aligned. Yes. And yes. that it's never painful. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> In that sense, like, I mean, yeah, I get really good warning signs that whatever I do with my backbending, yeah, it's always comfortable. Because, I mean, otherwise, I, it's basically I just re-trigger the whole disc problem again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when that yeah. yeah, when that changed for me too and it was really like cutting my back bend right back to like little bridge working yeah. on the alignment of the feet, strengthening the legs, strengthening yeah. the core. Right. And then you- learning how to like do your little pinky toe. Do the little grounding yeah. through the big toe, yeah. learning to like, yep. And yeah, then using basically slowly gradually and working yeah. through the everything and basically sharing the load of all the i mean i dearly yeah. love backbending but basically sharing the load with everything yes yeah. yes yes You're i mean i'm lucky i have players. crazy shoulders but i mean it's uh it's it's yeah. basically just really kind of looking at it as like okay it's not just the l4 l5 it's everything yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah just because that part can bend doesn't mean can, that it should be the only should, part bending yeah. exactly <laughs> So if that's the only part bending, bad idea. Bad idea, really bad idea. 
in that sense, I'm actually rather grateful for that injury because, I mean, it taught me a yeah. heck of a lot. And I do think that, well, when I, I'm a lot safer t- teaching other people now through that yeah. injury. For uh, sure. Yeah, 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 totally. So in that sense, I mean, it it's the, in that teacher. sense, yeah, it's definitely, in that sense, it's the best thing that happened. Best thing, yeah, the best thing that happened. <laughs> yeah, best thing that ever. I broke my back. Good. <laughs> <laughs> it's recovered. <laughs> Speaking it's recovered, of the, yeah. the best things that ever happened to you, you you said the the loveliest thing about Dan. I really like this. You said the love of your life, mm-hmm. and I I just want to know what 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 does that feel like? <laughs> so what how does like? how how do you how do you know that? How do you feel it? How did you? It must have been very disturbing to have something like that happen to you. Disturbing. You're going along well, in your life. How did you mean? And then Let's suddenly, like... what happened to you? What, what is well, that? that it's, it's kind of one of those only movie <laughs> stories, really. Because, I mean, it's such an unlikely story that we got together. Uh, he was living in Japan at the time. And yeah. he was traveling, surprise, surprise, for yoga. So be careful what you pick up in a yoga class. It might be your husband. Mm. Yeah. But, uh, Skin disease. Yeah, <laughs> or possibly that too. But I mean, it, uh, mm. it was just by a pure chance because, I mean, we met in Lino Mela's workshop, like mm. in 2004. L- Lino Lino Mela, yeah. yeah. Where where was he teaching in Finland? He, he was teaching in Finland. And this is basically his summer retreat that he did for a long time. Not anymore, but he did that for a long time. And this small island in the middle of nowhere between Finland and Sweden. Yeah. Nice. Uh, we nice. arrived probably within 10 minutes of each other, including our best man in our wedding to this workshop. Who is that? Uh, that was, uh, he was practicing yoga back then. He, he's just basically, a, he, he made friends with Dan like 10 minutes before he met me. <laughs> what what like, was his name? Mikko. Mikko. Just like, okay. just like every other Every second male in Finland is called Mikko. <laughs> but any, anyway, really, really wonderful man. But anyway, so we met there. We could have hung out, hung out together during that workshop and so forth. We made friends, basically. Yeah. But then after the workshop, I mean, we met on the last day that Dan was in Finland for breakfast with a group of people. And... Then basically, from that breakfast, somehow Dan and I, we just ended up walking and talking for the rest of the day. Oh, that's so It just so kind nice. of continued from there. We basically hung out by the seaside and just talked. Yeah. And then we were kind of painfully aware that, okay, well, uh, okay, you're flying out to Tokyo tomorrow and all that. We just exchanged addresses and phone numbers. Very yeah. old-fashioned in that sense. <laughs> and uh, at that point, it was just, okay, this is just crazy. But, I mean, it was clear that, okay, this is a person where, where you just have the feeling that I've known this person all my life. Mm-hmm. I don't need to explain what I mean. Yeah. And funny thing is that we're both pretty... I like talking, like, now I'm talking to you guys as, a, like, one-to-one. Yeah. But I'm actually a bit of a hermit when it comes to crowds and things. I hate parties. Yeah. <laughs> I I like people but I hate crowds. But and Dan is very much the same. Yeah, you're both that, a little introverted. <laughs> yeah, basically but we were it was kind of clear to both of us, which wasn't said in so many words, that okay, this is a person I just simply need to have a connection to in this life, one way or another. Mm-hmm. Long story Amazing. short, we I ended up writing letters to him. Yeah. He sent a postcard or two, 
And he called me on Christmas Eve from somewhere where he was. So we were pen pals for a couple of years. That's amazing. Yeah, really funny. Until we then met in that same Gurdjieff world tour where you saw me in the second series class for the first time. On the first morning we met, he was kind of, he he had planned to stay with Mikko, this best man of ours. Yeah. But then basically Mikko said that, well, if you're not going to stay with her, I'm going to kick you out. Mm. <laughs> so nice. basically from that first morning, she he basically moved his suitcase to my place. Yeah. And we basically have been together ever since. Wow. And so that must have been very disturbing for you. To have he such was a very... kind of surpri- surprising, mostly. Not... Your life is kind of probably quite contained and everything is contained in the right place. And, and now had... it's all just... Up All in the over air. the up in the air oh, in a sense that I mean I have now obviously a partner who is living across the planet. Yeah, he's still living in Japan. He's right? still living in Japan. Uh, <laughs> he can't just drop it. He's teaching a master class over there. I'm in art university trying to do a master's. Yeah. Hmm. I know myself well enough that I'm not going to drop my master's for anything. No, 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 of course not. <laughs> well, actually, I, what, what, the way I put it to him is like, well, you will have a really grumpy girlfriend if I drop my master's now. Yeah, I need to do my thing. Otherwise, I just can't it. deal with myself. I mean, I just yeah, no. can't deal with it. So it was clear that, okay, I'm going to finish university. He does what he does. We basically flow back and forth around a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so a lot of air miles. And yeah. I also, art universities are wonderful. If you have a good enough a project, you can do it. So I basically got myself to Japan for my third year in university. Oh, great. To study traditional wow. Japanese art. So I just basically... You guys have that in there. common. We do. Yeah. yeah so I, I studied <laughs> Sumia, the ink painting, the traditional painting, and I studied archery, of all things. So True, that's Zen- a excellent art. Yeah, so I did Zen, <laughs> Zen archery, basically, kudo. Mm. There, uh, yeah. So uh, that's basically what I did there. That was gratifying because I could spend basically a year with Dan in Tokyo, and I could continue my studies. And then I had just basically a couple of years left doing my masters, so that kind of worked. But then one morning in two thousand nine, Dan just calls me up again and says that, "Hey, um, I've decided I'm going to move to Finland." Great. <laughs> Tampere is lovely. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Oh, you're right. Okay. Well, so then I basically spent one summer packing his stuff in Japan. <laughs> wow. And he, he moved to Finland in 2009. Yeah. We were still basically just basically, so I suppose, air quotes dating at the time. Yeah, but going then, back at five years but, of long yeah, a long time. We're we're basically doing this slow. I mean, it's just taking forever. But I mean, that's yeah. fine. We're we're together. Great. I mean, yeah. it could, works for both of us. Could I just stop you for just a moment? Because I really yeah. want to. You're so insightful about your body, and I just wanted to ask you: Can you describe? how it changed this 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 thing falling in love did you find that it changed your body that it changed your emotional uh self your your emotional sheath did you see that there were changes in the kind of thoughts that you had in a sense yes that i found it easier to accept myself as i am since there's someone who obviously does like it kind of helped me to not hate my physical being. 
Mm. Amazing. Which has, which of course, I mean, it's still kind of like one of my trigger things. I mean, I don't think that's going to go anywhere, but it definitely has. <laughs> he's been my greatest support in terms of being okay, being me, because he's just incredible in terms of just taking me unconditionally as I am. Yeah. Because I'm not the easiest person to be around. I'm horribly stubborn. And I first need to say no to everything before I say yes. <laughs> that's good you have good boundaries to, to, yeah basically in a sense that yeah just let me think about it a little bit mm. <laughs> that's that's a healthy that's a healthy response to decisions yeah I, I think, think so, so I mean, sweetie. well yeah so I mean it's it's been absolutely wonderful and enriching uh experience to be able to open my very stubborn only child mind to <laughs> to him and allow him so close to me because that definitely surprised me that somebody could kind of almost to the back door yeah. get so close to me because that's not an easy thing to do. I run a mile if somebody tries to flirt with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's why the long distance was good. It, it that was, warmed it you up. Ba- <laughs> yeah, basically, we were best friends to each other first. And it, it like basically just a deep, really deep companionship that no matter what happens this person needs to be in my life mm. so yeah. yeah that that's basically it and then well, like he he does know how to treat a girl he did propose with to me and Benny's with full moon and all that so oh. yeah <laughs> he's a romantic yeah <laughs> i was far too shy to do anything so public yeah. When, uh, well, to be fair, he had a flu at the time, but I mean, anyway, he, he had made a flu. <laughs> that will do it. It's Poor interesting man. because because Harmony and I both, you know, we we were both steeped in in yoga when we fell in love, and we both were also kind of studying brain science at the at the time, kind of, you know, as a casually and. And as a hobby, as a, well for as our hobby. for our, for our work, it yeah. was informing our our teaching, and. Yeah we were kind of very much aware of the physiological and hormonal changes at the endocrine level. Like, Mm. and we would just kind of look it up and and describe it. And it's like, you know, this is a lot like being on cocaine. (laughs) This whole experience that we're having is is we're just flooded with dopamine and and serotonin. And it's changing our appetite. It's changing the the thoughts that we're having. We were, absolutely obsessed with communicating with each other you know we had we had to know that that person was just on the other end of our phone you know 30 seconds 45 seconds goes by and you're like where is she you know yeah well i need to know skype at the time took a lot of patience that's true. That's true. Yeah. It, was, it was like a different era. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it really, I mean, communicating in that state across planet was, took some patience. Yeah. 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 Big time. Big yeah. time. So that, 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 that was interesting. But I mean, we managed. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. I mean, it's been 18 years and it feels like uh, just as amazing as it was back then. I don't know. Exactly. Oh, it, it, it must be that he's kind of the right person for me. It seems like, yeah. but that's that's <laughs> the thing, so. isn't it? When someone says a phrase like "that was the love of my life," I would not have really truly understood the depth of that experience until I had met Harmony. Yeah, and because it is something that is so human, 
but I think mm-hmm. it's actually um I think people tend to just fall into relationships and occasionally this happens where you become totally obsessed with someone who is the right person yeah. and a, and nothing can dis- change it nothing moves yeah. it it's a it's like a suddenly a pillar of your life yeah i think to me it's been a lot of the love of the fact that i mean before meeting him i mean i've spent a lot of my life on my own yeah. yeah and i didn't mind it i was perfectly happy as i was but then there's right. this, this one person who's like i just need him yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm i i'm just a lot more with him than without him mm. and one thing that i think has been really important for us to kind of deal with it with our with each other because of course i mean yeah any relationship sometimes it's irritating but is that we, ne- <laughs> we, 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 we never take each other for granted. Mm. I get the feeling yeah. that we're still equally gra- grateful for the fact that, hey, you're still there. You have each <laughs> yeah. other. That, that for the t- I mean, it just feels still that the time that we have together is just so precious that, I mean, why waste it for doubt? That's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's it was like it was like twelve years of of darkness, <laughs> or it was probably longer than that. It was like you know thirty years of darkness, and just it was then suddenly a sense of pervading contentment. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this is this feels quite a bit different, and I would recommend <laughs> it to people, but I don't think you can make it happen. No, I don't you, think no, you can. You I don't really. think you can. You can go out and say, I am going to meet Mister Wright. I am going to fall in love completely <laughs> obsessively. And it's going to be, I'm going to wait for it. I don't think you can, I don't no, even that, know that, how you'd go about doing it. No, you can't really. That's why I mean, kind of, like I said, I mean, only mov- only in movies, because I mean, our our kind of story right. was kind of insane. We're living, <laughs> one in Helsinki, one in Tokyo. How likely it is, A, first of all, us to meet? Well, okay, Ashtanga is the combining feature here. Like, yeah. That helps. <laughs> yeah. But then also, we are 18 years apart. He's noticeably older than right. I am. Yeah. But I, I forgot about that. I forgot how yeah, old he, Dan he, was. Yes, he, yeah, yeah he, he's eighteen years older than I am. But Jesus that, Christ! That, but that was <laughs> never an issue. That uh, no, I mean that. But that was never an issue. Even <laughs> well, of course, my father was a bit worried about it. And, yeah. uh, but it's the same age I, as your father. Yeah. No, he's not. <laughs> not quite. But but I mean, one thing that I have to say to the credit of my obsessive father is that he's also one person who I respect greatly for the fact that he can make a total U turn. If he thinks that he was wrong, ah, oh, amazing! <laughs> so he was basically like really upset about the whole Dan thing. But right. when he met, He's like, why are he... you dating an old man? <laughs> yeah, but, but the moment he met Dan, yeah, not a word. Uh, My both parents, yeah. they love him. I mean, it's, of course. Um, but I mean, He's so in that a sense, beautiful I mean, human being. Good, good credit for my father being able to let go of anything. Yeah. He doesn't consider he he's able to do make kind of reassess the situation the moment it seems reasonable. Yeah. yeah. And the practice well, keeps you young. It keeps you like Well, you that's basically what Dan said when he met me. He was like, <laughs> because I mean at the time also he thought that kind of hard to tell how old is she. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then he thought that, well, um, okay, he she she was a dancer. They kind of look young. She yeah. also practices yoga. They kind of look like look young. 
Maybe yeah. she's just an actual double young or something. Right, <laughs> yeah. But no, she's actually double young. He actually, um, I actually was quite huh. young when I met him. Yeah. <laughs> That's adorable. Yeah. No, no, Harmony's father still believes that I'm homosexual. Oh. So does that does that happen for you for your father? Did no. he think no? <laughs> No, that, that's that just didn't. us. That didn't. No, okay. <laughs> what was your first trip to Mysore? <coughs> Ridiculously late. And I mean, uh, me and India, health-wise, we don't really get along. But I mean, <laughs> my first trip. <laughs> I think we met. Yeah, we, we, def- we definitely did meet, meet in Mysore. Um, I think, I'm just trying to remember. Well, I we were there for that training. Yeah, yeah that, in 2014, was, uh, but that 14, was quite a bit yeah. later. That was quite a bit later. I think I was probably there 2007. For first seven, we did meet I think. for sure because yeah. I spent yeah. almost yeah, a year there in 2007. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The reason and that was with Dan. You were there with Dan, right? Yes, he's yeah. he's been my uh, the person who carries me to hospital. <laughs> Yeah, because nice. I met Dan on my first trip in 2004. <laughs> I remember him very distinctly. Yeah, da- da- Dan went a lot before me overall. I mean, I got kind of the princess treatment going to Mysore and it says that I'm kind right, of tagging yeah. along with someone who yeah. knows everything be, in and out. Yeah, that can be quite so nice, it, it yeah. knows all the old easy. students. <laughs> yes, so I mean, I kind of just got through the, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I've gotten through to, to Ashtanga through all back doors anyway. So, like, yeah. don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah, like, big secret. Yeah. No, but I mean, it, it was, of course, I mean, it, to me, it was a really great experience in the sense that, I mean, I love practicing in the Shala and uh, I don't know, I mean, Shrat has been just unreasonably nice to me always. Yeah, that's nice. You, so, um, you had already finished fourth series though by that time in Finland, no? Uh, no, actually, I I was kind of half, kind of working my way through. Almost finished. <laughs> almost, almost finished. I actually, I, I finished, 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 finished. Mm. Yeah, well, I definitely finished third series, and I think I had. I was working my way through fourth at the time. So what was it but like for you, your first trip there? When Did you have to I just do primary? Did you get into I, intermediate? That was the funny thing. I, I, I assumed that I would just basically do primary for the five weeks for the time I was there. Yeah. yeah. But I actually, I think I ended up doing primary. Like I arrived, like I think it was on Tuesday. I yeah. ended up doing the rest of the week I did primary. And then the next Monday I did sharp. Like, okay, you let intermediate. It's like, okay. <laughs> So I do well, yeah. intermediate through. So it's like, I mean, I'm there like six days and I'm doing oh my God. intermediate through. And you've yeah, done yeah. it on tour though. So he knew you could do it. Yeah. He, yeah. He'd seen me. So, and the funny thing is that he calls me number eight, Ashtal, because he doesn't quite, quite get Ashtal, Ashtal right? Ashtal. <laughs> like, oh, that's right. Kind of close enough. That's like, that's like Guruji used to call me Harmonium. Harmonium. Yeah. Harmonium. Harmonium and number eight. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever find that frustrating to go to Mysore and not to be able to do the full practice that you were used to doing? Um, not really. I didn't. Uh, since I kind of rebuilt the practice quite a few times already, it's like, <laughs> it's like okay, well, let's see. Let, I mean, I do what you do. I mean, it's like, okay, wh- whatever the teacher says, I'll, I'll do. I mean, it's, I yeah. I don't mind. Well. 
it's not really about the asana collecting asanas it sounds like no i mean it's it's really not in that sense i mean i kind of i i had a discussion about that with david swenson like when because i mean he's been wonderful to my practice really just basically like you know what to do but i mean the way he he said it to me like yeah just think of it less as a choreography and more as calligraphy calligraphy oh that's a wonderful sentence Yes, yeah. I, I love that. And it's in that sense, like, I mean, movement is movement. I mean, it's yeah. it's just a space for me to connect to the yoga, really. Asana is, is a movement. tool. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't really mind. If it's, you're doing it, calligraphy of, of a three-letter word versus a seven-letter word, what word, difference does it make? It's a, yeah. You're it's, just making beautiful lines. Yeah. So I, I That's don't so really, lovely. I don't really mind. I mean, to me, I I love all parts of the practice equally, and so in that sense, I mean, fourth year is primary. I, I just yeah, I do what same, you ask same. me to do. Yeah, same same. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever feel like? Because I know a lot of people feel like this, like, oh, I'm gonna lose my my advanced asanas if I just do primary or I just do intermediate. Did you ever feel like concerned about that? Uh, there I'm kind of like I suppose I'm going back to my kind of feelings of terror of quitting dancing in a sense that yes I'm fully aware that there are things that are going to be eventually passed at some point mm-hmm. and of course I know that yeah some asanas take more maintenance than others and that's okay if I know that I just for some reason can't do a asana x for a while I know that okay if I want to get to the point where it's comfortable and easy yeah I know how to take my medicine I know how to get back in there (laughs) fine so I Mm. basically I no no fuss and no drama (laughs) yeah yeah that's so good it's just like you you know how to train to work your way up to being able to do that whether it's strength or flexibility or or whatever and I also know that okay if I'm asking something let's say relatively extreme yeah it, uh, it takes a lot of work regardless of what sort of physique you have. So yeah. if I'm not putting in the effort of maintaining a, a situation where it's relatively easy, I mean, yeah, I, I know what it takes to get, get back in there. And yeah. who knows? I mean, what do I, what do, I do when I'm 80? Yeah. Mm. yeah it <laughs> might, might not be that important for you to get back probably in there. Not, probably not. <laughs> you should just you know. be watching Jeopardy and The Price is Right. That's what you should be doing. It's mostly family feud. Family feud is and good. And Wheel of Fortune. Wheel of Fortune is excellent for 80. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to I ask, you said you had a really a funny story uh, of, of coincidence and I wanted to ask you this, if this is not a, a terrible segue, about uh, we just interviewed Michael Skabor uh, mm-hmm. just a couple of days ago. I think I pronounced his name somewhat right. And um, Michael um, was in Germany, and I think mm-hmm. um, he is a South African. And you said you had a yeah. number of different sort of coincidental experiences with him. And he ended up, um, did he lend the shala to you and then you then gave it to my friend Eleanor Burke is that is how yeah. did it all go how did it all go well basically long story short is that uh we were living in Berlin in Germany I mean we moved from we escaped the horrible winter of everlasting winter from Finland to to Berlin everybody lost it like, like, like escaping what? Stalingrad to Berlin yeah it was like I mean <laughs> what uh, and I mean everybody laughed at us when we said that okay we escaped the 
the weather in Finland to Berlin is like Berlin isn't exactly known for great weather. <laughs> but anyway, it's it's a huge improvement. So um, basically, long it's a, it's kind of really odd change of chain of coincidences because I mean when we were in uh, Berlin, Dan ended up teaching workshops in Cape Town and in Johannesburg. So South Africa pops up, mm-hmm. and the Jivamukti Shala people were also teaching in Cape Town, and they saw Dan's poster. <laughs> And they found out that Dan was in Berlin. So they actually contacted Dan that, hey, we would like to have a Ashtanga Mysore class in our Jivamokti school. Would you come and start it? Well, Dan was basically not terribly keen on starting a Mysore class or whatnot. So what what he did is like, well, I'm not, but my wife could. Like, oh. Right. <laughs> well, that's kind so, of him. Yeah, yeah, kind of him. Like, okay, mm. instead of one Kaplan, they get the other. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Well, he's okay, like she's well, younger and has more energy. Like, yeah, she can do it. Yeah. It's like, okay, sure. Well, so I mean, I started there basically under their roof from scratch. First morning. Oh wow! Wow! I have five students. Great. So, but I mean, I ended up teaching there for a couple of years. And at the time, I, I believe Michael was still teaching in Munich, all happily and all that. But then basically... Yeah, I visited him there and taught a workshop, I think. But it might have been oh, you just before come back you here. came to Berlin. You should come <laughs> yeah, back should and come stay back here. there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah Berlin anyway, is amazing. Yeah. yeah. And so anyway, so in, basically Michael decided at some point that he wanted to move on. Yeah. And so the Ostrogos in Munich kind of got, was left orphaned in air mm-hmm. quotes so basically yeah. but they had a pretty motivated group and one of the late one of the ladies who was kind of running the kind of man administration of the group was basically just bringing in teachers in a, in a row like one month somebody was teaching right next two months somebody else is teaching and dan ended up taking over for a couple of months in the beginning of 2017 oh wow yeah well and i was teaching in berlin like a maniac so uh okay well yeah, can't leave one one shala empty when the other person is teaching in different cities. So we're kind of two months apart and <laughs> keep both teaching. You're again uh, doing the long distance relationship. Yeah. Well, we have a lot of practice for that. So practice yes. is always coming. <laughs> you know how to do that. No problem. But, no problem. We know how to do this. But uh, but the people here in Munich, they really liked him. Not, not surprising. He has amazing adjustments. He's one of the yeah. few people who I really like adjusting. So like, yeah, I'm yeah. very good hands. Yeah. Uh, but Dan said that, yeah, but the thing is that Asta is teaching in Munich and the day off is different. You have a day off on Saturday. She has, no, I mean, they had the day off on Sunday. I had the yeah. day off on Saturday. So this is kind of problematic. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so Dan comes back. It's also clear that Munich is pretty expensive. So yeah, one yoga teacher salary, not enough just mm. for two people. Just right. not possible. Yeah. But a couple of months go by and things are still kind of up in the air here in Munich. But Dan was kind of, had been kind of looking for a new kind of new job in his day job as a patent law person, right. patent attorney. And Munich is full of patent law because of the European Patent Office. And uh, basically, the student, one of the yoga studio owners, knows the uh, the company president of one patent law office, 
And she said, hey, just says to Dan that, hey, just go and talk to these guys. That how would the job market in this field be in Munich and so forth? Dan, yeah. Dan comes to Munich, meets the people. Two minutes later, he's hired. As a, <laughs> as a patent attorney? I'm, yeah, I'm that's really... what he did in Japan. Oh, is he yeah. did that? I'm yeah, totally, he, that, I've that's totally lost had... the thread. I thought he was yeah, a he... yoga teacher. No, he, he was in Japan doing other things. He, he just started patent. a yeah. oh. Mysore program for fun. Oh. Yeah, pretty much. Hey, that's have, his time. Why hasn't that's... Dan in the in in the? We should be interviewing Dan's Dan hiding. as well. We'll interview him another time. Oh. Yeah, so, so for him. Well, anyway, right. it's but, a patent so, attorney. So, yeah. He, well, yeah. he's chemistry. That's what makes the money, not Japan, the yoga. Japan Dan, the yoga teacher, is a patent. No, guy. that's what he was doing when he's I met scientist. him. He's a scientist. He's a scientist, doctor. Yeah, oh. and he's, he was translating, I think, a lot of Japanese he was into English a lot and all, and... all that. So, but anyway, so he got a job so, here. So bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got a job, a real job. Yeah, he call, he calls me up from Munich. Hey, I think we're moving. I got a job. It's like, right. Mm. So Amazing. now I have same situation in Berlin. We're like, okay, I have my class here. They are offered now. So for the whole summer, we're trying to stay quiet so that not everyone panics until I yeah, find yeah. someone Pe- to take over. Students panic, right. yeah. Yeah, so I'm just like mm. trying not to tell anyone that, hey, actually, we're moving. Right. Mm. But, but then Eleanor, out of the blue, Eleanor Borka just shows up in Berlin saying that, hey, I'm kind of looking into moving back to Berlin Whoa. to teach and so forth. Honestly, I thought she had been in Berlin the entire time. Yeah, she she had been in London and well, her story to tell. But anyway, so she yeah, she yeah. comes in. We meet <laughs> for we, we yeah, she's been everywhere. But I mean, um, she comes to Berlin. We meet up, and I said, "Hey, Eleanor, since you're looking into teaching, like, how about I have a group that needs a teacher? Would yeah. you? Like, Would you like to take sure. it?" <laughs> yeah, she did. So, uh, so then basically, the end result is that we just do this kind of lightning fast move to, to Munich yeah. uh, on September 1st in 2017. I'm teaching in, Ber- in Berlin. September 2nd, I'm teaching in Munich. Amazing. And here I am. Wow. Uh, I, I then basically ended up taking the program into my own hands as an like independent, not under an, a studio Any group in the studio. beginning of 2019. It's just yeah. nicer when Ashtanga is Ashtanga and not... I don't have to fight for the lead class time every week. Right. Yeah. 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 You can make your own rules. (laughs) Yeah. It's easier. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. Mm. But I want to know a little bit too about, because you're a professional artist. So I think you make a lot of money doing art and selling art and painting. on and off. Well, I mean, it, maybe a lot is, is an exaggeration. Well, but you mean in comparison to your husband. Thank you very much, Harmony. Well, I know what you mean. Well, it's the thing about uh, visual arts, selling paintings and things, it's very irregular. Right. In a sense that it could be 30,000 euros in a weekend and it could be nothing for the next half year. So in that sense, it's actually wow. a rather nice balance. Right. Also in a sense that being a painter is a pretty lonely job. You never talk to anyone. Unless, <laughs> no, that's un- the un- idea. Un- that's un- the joy of the work is not having oh, to sure. talk to anyone. Yes. You don't have to manage a stage crew or a production team. Uh, 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 you don't have to go have into... To go, yeah, until you have to go to a press conference, which is my no, I don't. next week. I don't do that. Oh, you get to go to a press conference? I don't do that. No, I just stay yeah. in my room and no one talks get to me or bothers note- me. Notepad, take some tips. I close the door on purpose. 
tell us about this press conference and what's going on. Do you have a show coming well, up? I had three shows coming up this summer overlapping. So oh that's kind gosh. of crazy. So that's suddenly amazing. Like two, two art centers and a gallery show at the same time. So it's like, whoa. <laughs> and are they in Munich or in other places? No, they, they, no, they are in Finland. So I'm flying okay. next Monday to say hi to my home country. First time in three years. Nice. <laughs> nice. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, um, I find it actually, it works pretty well because I mean, I kind of live my morning life in the yoga world and then I just cycle over to my painting studio and I'm a, I'm a hermit. So that works really well for me. <laughs> yeah. That's so nice. And so you, you'll get up, what's your day like? You get up, you do your practice, you teach or do you teach and then do your practice? I teach and I do my practice for the simple reason that otherwise I would never see Dan. Right. Yeah, because yeah. He, if you may, it may have come through the microphone, but the door just closed. He just came home. So basically, the how the day works is that I get up at four. I kind of putter about the house. I putter about the house, just like you said earlier. And then basically, I cycle over to the shala. I do the, do a mini warm up, few sun salutations, and just check that I'm okay. I teach a four hour miser class from six to ten. And uh, then I hop on my own mat. Thankfully, the shala basically allows me to practice afterwards. Nice. There, so yeah. there's kind of space where I can practice. And then around noon, I hop over, hop on my bicycle and continue to my painting studio, which is kind of across town. Mm-hmm. The kind of core of Munich. So it's not that far. It's like 25 minute bicycle ride from home. And I do my, do whatever my studio work kind of, needs requires what i have kind of brain energy for and uh then i come home and cook (laughs) amazing and then it's dinner time (laughs) then it's dinner time yes (laughs) and that's basically my third life as a kitchen kitchen adventurer i love cooking so it's kind of where i relax just i just enjoy the nurturing quality of it and that's a, another thing that that really can't be taught. I think is <laughs> you guys have that in common. Yeah, too. because <laughs> when I cook, it I relax. I get into the flow of it. I'm thinking yeah. constantly about efficiency of movement and time. Timing. I and, love the interweaving things right? in the process. It's fantastic. <laughs> and then it's all. It becomes a kind of uh, uh, a selflessness where I lose self consciousness. And it's all about a, a flow of movement, and yeah, then I'm just a... I'm either I'm either prepping, cooking, preparing, cleaning, and then yeah. it's all presented. And uh, uh, for Harmony, it's quite different. <laughs> and it seems like oh. when she, the moment she starts cooking, her displeasure sets in and grows oh. and grows and grows and grows throughout the experience until finally she is a sweating. Uh, angry mess. I don't even want to eat at the end. <laughs> and she's I'm so, so irritated. And it's like, Harmony, this is a nice time. Cook it's it. Like, and I would, oh. I, would, I would prefer to cook just so that she doesn't have to experience this. And oh. so often I do cook because otherwise she's just going to be in a bad mood. And it's like, I'll cook and I'll be very happy at the end. I'm always really happy when I cook. I mean, it's, it's also like fun way to travel around the world because I mean, I suppose I'm a picky eater, just like my father, who is also a really good cook. 
Uh, that's basically like I mean I got used to the idea that okay that's actually a nice thing to do and I mean then if you're a picky eater I mean you get to eat good food if you know how to make it (laughs) and since I've been cooking since I was 14 I've just had a long time to practice that's great. I, li- I like to eat the good food. <laughs> well, I mean, that, you, that's something you have in common with Dan. He's a very appreciative audience. And he supplies yeah. me with good, 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 good books. Ah, perfect. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Are, do you, are you vegan? Do you eat fish? What's, what's your diet I'm, like? I, I'm a, I've been vegetarian since I was 14. Basically, the moment I walked yeah. out of my family home, I became a vegetarian. I'm, I, yeah. You don't want me. You, don't, you wouldn't want to see me try to. Try to eat. I just never liked meat or fish. It's a mess yeah. if I try to eat any. So I'm, I can't imagine I just, living in Finland and not eating fish. It's incredible. Yeah, I'm. I'm an accidental vegan in a sense that I mean I don't handle dairy terribly well. So I mean a lot right. of the time when I, I I don't really deny anything that I kind of like eating or can eat. Yeah. But I mean, mo- most of the time I cook vegan just because my my system is a lot happier. I mean that yeah. way. So I mean, I can handle like aged cheeses. So I have a, I basically have a lactose thing. Yeah, me too. Aged yeah, cheeses so I, or something. I yeah. can only eat yeah. aged cheese. <laughs> yeah, like like all older and hotter it is, the better. Yeah. But I can eat a lot of it. <laughs> That's oh, also yeah. uh, how good. Harmony <laughs> describes me to her friends that he is quite he is older and harder than any other <laughs> relationship that she's ever had. Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh. Oh. No. Yeah. No, but basically, I mean, my principle, I, I think, I mean, what do you eat? Food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's, it is interesting because I think like, I mean, and you would, you would have, I think, more insight into this even than I would, <laughs> because I feel like you've done, you know, advanced asana, advanced series for so long and like built your practice back up into this advanced series, like so many yeah. times. Many times. Yes. Yeah. And, and so what's your experience? I mean, cause I always say to people, like, if you want to do advanced asanas, you have to like have your life so regulated. You have to sleep properly. You have to know exactly what to eat, when to eat. You have to just like have everything really uh, structured in your life so yeah. that you can do this very advanced acrobatic contortionist kind of thing in yeah. the morning but that sounds like how she does like to live her life yeah no but i'd love just yeah. to hear your insight about it <laughs> yeah it's it's basically kind of i i think i mean well a first of all i do enjoy certain sort of kind of like regularity of the routine simply because i mean mm-hmm. part it's just how i know that my body likes to work i mean anyone's i yeah. suppose if you ask a lot from it yeah it's just i mean out of sheer curiosity that okay what is it all that I can do with as an artist or on the yoga mat or whatever it is I need to nurture the vessel I'm in Mm. which means that I need to sleep enough because otherwise I'm a crying mess and I know it I'm Mm. terrible to be around I just get really really miserable if I'm not sleeping enough so that's the reason why I moved my practice to after teaching because it was like otherwise I'm cutting my sleep from both ends not working working, if I'm too hungry I can't make good decisions I'm just scatterbrained like anyone I can't focus so okay well eat eat regularly when you're hungry and not two hours later 
Yeah, I Zoom. know. I know how how to kind of fuel myself in comfortable way so that I'm my energy level stays stable enough that I can think mm. clearly and be nice yeah. about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I suppose I, it just basically. I mean, I've never felt like that's a restriction to me. It's a liberation, right? Really, yeah. because it allows freedom me to pain. Just, Freedom from pain, freedom from like not being able to do what I want. I'm because I mean I'm I'm stubborn. I I want everything now. So <laughs> yeah. I better serve. I better serve the vessel I live in because otherwise, I mean, I just can't do. I can't fulfill my curiosity. Yeah, mm. I love that. I'm just the endless researcher, I suppose, in that sense. That I mean, I'm just curious. Like, okay, what is it? I, if I find something I can't do, I just try, I try to figure out how. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. delighted if I if I if I find a conundrum, I want to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. Well, I love it, all these like interconnections and like this weaving together of the state of cooking and and art and yoga practice and you know. Yeah, yeah to, to me, it's kind of all one. I don't know. It's kind of I suppose yoking everything together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as you said, I think uh, there's asta and then there's asta and flow. And that's, that's <laughs> yeah. kind of what you're seeking is just like, oh, I want to yeah. be Asta and flow. So what can I have yeah, to because, do to make sure that happens? Yeah, because, because there I feel like I'm fulfilling my place in this funny universe that's mm. a lot bigger and older than me. It knows what it does. Yeah. What is it the best I can bring in it? And I suppose that's what I'm trying to do as an artist too is like, I mean, one of the reasons why my paintings look the way they do is that I'm a seeker of beauty in everything. Mm-hmm. One, the professor in the art academy, when she was talking with me, and, and she found out that I'm a ballerina from my previous life. Was, ah, now I understand why your paintings look the way they do. Mm-hmm. You're just, you're, you're basically just obsessed with that perfection of beauty, and when you see that, mm-hmm. you just can't help but to dig deeper in it. And just try to show that marvelous sparkle on the universe to everyone in in my humble efforts of making pictures. And the yoga practice to me is kind of the same motivator in some ways is that it's just so awesome that I just can't help but to be curious. (laughs) I can totally see that. I think you just radiate that, this like beauty, like no no joke, like the that Finnish fairy. Finnish fairy. fairy princess. Finnish fairy That's princess. That's what I. It's just like perfection. Yeah. It's this beautiful the little forest, package. The forest people. That was certainly yeah. like you know having Magic. studied yeah. with Petri for many years. That was always my <laughs> my impression. But certainly it that yeah. carried to other Finns that I've met in my life. It's like oh they're just forest people. <laughs> Yeah, well, because I mean that's where you grow up. I mean it's basically. Yeah. I mean it is a sacred space. Still, mm. and I mean that's why I mean I love the fact that here I mean nature, the rivers and the trees and the mountains. There, mountains are kind of exotic to me, but the trees. I mean, I just can't help but love the trees. <laughs> well, I, I just want to yeah. thank you for for sharing your time with us. I know that it must be quite disturbing to your schedule, but I I just <laughs> no. want to thank you. I am having a an emergency with the the small dog, so I'm, oh. I'm going to leave you to your your second uh interview because i know you want to do a second interview Harmony. our bonus for your our bonus interview yeah. members only but i again it's been a real pleasure to meet you i feel like <laughs> um 
it's been it, awesome it's to meet you. Really. That we haven't actually met, even though we've been practicing next to each other for <laughs> decades. And it's, so you guys have to come to Munich. <laughs> yeah, yeah be really, day, really nice. And are, you're you're reopening your yoga school in Munich coming oh. up, or did you already do it? We are we've been able to be back in the Shala for about just about a year now, which yeah. is oh, has great. been awesome. We were, of course, online and whatnot, but I mean, I've been able to teach throughout the whole pandemic, either online or in person. And I mean, lovely thing is that, I mean, we've been back in the real space for a year now, almost. We were able to return in last June. So oh, that's, amazing. Been, that's been great. Yeah. Because wonderful. I mean, okay, online is one thing. It's given us all opportunities and kept teaching yeah. alive and all that, but uh, it never yeah. is the same as the real yeah, space in person's pretty special isn't it yeah 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 great well if, really if people are in munich how can they find you they can find me with uh basically our website is the ashtanaspirit.com okay and uh i said you can also just find directly me as the couple i mean there's no one else with the same name so i'm easy to find <laughs> yeah <laughs> and they can see all your beautiful art too i think on your personal website right yeah yeah, amazing. And that's astakaplan.com. That's the art. The Astanga Spirit is the yoga. I'm trying not to be too schizophrenic about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. And and yeah. they should also follow you on Instagram. Yeah, well, I'm there, I suppose. Asta Kaplan, my... right? Yeah, Asta Kaplan. And there's also an Astanga Spirit Munich uh, uh, Instagram account as well. Yeah. So, Beautiful. yeah, visual yeah. diary and yoga stuff <laughs> yeah yeah I love I love following you because it's it's just brings brightness to my day such beautiful whether it's asana or art or your drawings your little diary your pictorial diary that you're doing thank you so much it, yeah, you're just so all too kind it's just no. um well keeping an eye on you too I mean you're just one of a kind <laughs> oh well thank you and thanks so much for coming on today of course Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony. With me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Standing in eternity's shadow Watching the breaking There's a hard wind and the soil